just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. We're in the middle of a weekend. Of course, not a lot happens during the weekends. A lot of the news you watch or hear is repeated from the past week. You know, you've got people at home relaxing, not necessarily creating news, although there's some of it out there. Come next Tuesday, we're going to see what the House Select Committee does with Steve Bannon, who's refusing to testify. As I mentioned in a previous podcast, what they'll do is the House Select Committee will vote to refer Steve Bannon to the Justice Department for criminal contempt. But before it goes to the DOJ, it'll go to the full House, where they'll have to vote on it. And since we've got a Democratic majority, it will likely pass. Then we're all waiting with bated breath. What is the DOJ going to do? The U.S. Attorney and uh, Merrick Garland. We've talked about in previous podcasts, and uh, there are some concerns as to whether Merrick Garland will be tough about this and the DOJ will follow through with it. Now, technically, they're supposed to uh, send it to the grand jury to decide whether or not they'll prosecute. I don't know that they have an option there, but, uh, you know, we've seen weirder shit in government. One of the things I talked about in a previous podcast, the one thing that concerns me about the DOJ is you keep hearing these people saying, well, they're a little afraid to do something because they don't want it to look political. You know, we've got a year away from the midterms and we don't want it to look bad. As I pointed out in the previous podcast, that shouldn't come into play. We've got people breaking laws. I mean, as simple as Congress or the House Select Committee saying, we want you to testify and you decide not to, and that is criminal contempt of Congress, he should be prosecuted, regardless of it. So an election year or if it's a little worrisome because it might seem political. I'm tired about all this dancing around that government always tends to do. It's funny, Republicans seem to slam your face into the wall, but the Democrats seem to dance around it and try to be nice about it. We've got too much to give up here. We've got our country, our democracy. We don't need some, as my dad used to say, panty waist, don't even know what that means, but he would say that trying to come up against the Republicans. We need somebody just as tough. We need to hold people accountable if we want to keep this country and our democracy intact. Now, whenever I do the podcast, I always tell folks, if you have questions, comments, complaints, recipes, or whatever, you're more than welcome to write me. Uh, you can get to me directly via email at rationalboomer at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer Podcast, and you can leave a voicemail. It's as simple as that. I'm always anxious to have you participate in the program. Now, I got one of those emails today, and this comes from a gentleman by the name of Scott. 
Good morning, Mike. I want to say happy late anniversary to you and your wife. Thank you very much. My wife died five years ago. Well, I'm sorry for your loss, and I know how difficult that can be. I've had people close to me pass away. I can't imagine what it would be like to have your wife pass away. At least in my case, you know, she's my wife, the mother of my children, grandmother of my grandchildren, and for all intents and purposes, my best friend. We hang out all the time. I don't call friends and hang out in bars and stuff like that. If I'm going out to have fun, it's with my wife. And when you lose somebody that close to you, it's got to be a terrible situation. So again, I'm sorry for your loss, and I hope things are getting better. He goes on, anyway, I wanted to say I started following you on TikTok earlier this year and started to listen to the podcast. I, I have to say you have a lot of great points about life and religion and politics. I listen to the pod ta- podcast as I'm driving. I'm a company truck driver. I have a story to tell you. It's based on something you said in one of the podcasts about the shortages of teachers in Florida. When I was a freshman in high school, the school district was having money problems. It is one of the largest school districts in Indiana, which is where I'm from. That year before the school board uh, shut down the school, the high school won an award from the Department of Education, but they still closed the school anyway. In my last year of high school at a different school district, they reopened the first high school back up as a junior high school. Thanks for reading this. I will keep watching and listening to the podcast and TikTok. So, Scott, thank you very much. You bring up some interesting points. As far as listening while you're driving as a truck driver, I appreciate that, and I can understand that. You know, I spent 40 years in the radio business, and the last goddamn thing I want to do is turn on the radio. It's along the lines. Have you ever worked in a restaurant? It always seems like the people who worked in a restaurant, the last place they want to eat is at the restaurant they worked in. And that's kind of the way it is with radio with me. You got so many commercials. You got the same crap over and over again. Um, I'm a little critical about radio. My wife has some favorite radio shows, and she tries to get me interested in it, and... (laughs) It, it, it just doesn't do anything for me. I guess I've seen how they make the sausage, and uh, I'm not impressed. Uh, I'm sure there's some great radio shows out there. I just haven't found them and haven't felt compelled to listen to them. So when I'm in my car, wherever it is I might be driving, I'll listen to an audio book or a podcast. I have to admit, Scott, I never do listen to my own podcast <laughs> for obvious reasons. I know what I said. But I appreciate you, while you're driving, you bring me along and keep you company, and I I appreciate that immensely. You mentioned your wife died, and as I said before, that is a terrible and tragic thing, and I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I hope you found your way to get through the other side and uh, live your life and uh, get some more happiness in your life, because that's got to be a horrible experience. Now, you're talking about schools. I had mentioned that there was a shortage of teachers in Florida. Last we heard, it was like 5,000 teachers short in Florida. You can imagine what that would have, uh, the effect it would have on the district. Now, I'm not sure how old you are, Scott. 
But I think what you were going through was a little different situation. They closed the high school, even though it was a good high school. Uh, but depending on what era it is, um, I saw a lot of that, too, as I was growing up. Fortunately, my high school didn't close down. Uh, eventually, my elementary school did close down. And it all had more to do with the number of students available to go to the schools. They had to shut things down if they didn't have enough uh, enough of the students coming to the school. They had to save money, and they'd move people around, and they'd do that sort of thing. Now, today, I don't know that we're having a shortage of kids necessarily, but I think in some places we are. I know my where my wife taught. She's now retired, but they were starting to lose kids at certain schools. Now, the thing about... Uh, where my wife taught, um, they have open enrollment. So that means you don't necessarily have to go to the school down the street. You can pick and choose where you want to go. Everybody picks the good schools, and the schools that don't have as good a reputation start losing kids, and that's why things get closed down. But I think we're looking at something vastly different now. And this is something I've said probably for five years. Everybody seems to acknowledge that teachers don't get paid enough for what they do. Now, teachers don't get paid badly. But having had a, uh, been married to a, a woman who is a teacher and hearing the stories that go on, it's not so much the job is hard. It's dealing with the people involved that you're dealing with. You're dealing with other teachers. You're dealing with parents. You're dealing with administration. And you're dealing with kids. And all too often, these kids aren't properly prepared to come to class. They don't want to work with their kids. And then they send them off to the teachers and say, now it's your job. Well, one of the things I found out, and I was fortunate because my wife was a teacher, that when we had kids, as much as we sent them to school to learn, we had to work with them at home, too. Simple, simple as reading to them or paying attention to them or helping them with their homework. All that counted for a lot. And fortunately, at my wife's insistence, we did that. But I think what we're looking at in our education system is something more serious than, than not having enough kids. Because teachers not only don't get paid as much as they should for what they do, they haven't been treated very well. Where I lived, when they took out the taxes from your check or whatever, half of those local taxes would go to education. Half. But still, every year they would cry about needing more money. And I found that interesting because my wife as a teacher didn't make more money. I don't think she got a raise in probably 10 or 15 years. And on top of that, she had to go buy things to put in her, her classroom, things the school district should have paid for. And you see, the problem here is the money goes to the administration, but a lot of it gets stuck up in the administration. It gets wasted on people who aren't teaching kids, people that are pushing paper and making ridiculous decisions and choices about things. 
It's, it, it's really sad sometimes to see how a school district runs. It's not, it's not like it should be. You would think most of the money would trickle down to the kids. But unfortunately, it's too much like the trickle-down economy, and it gets clogged up above before it gets to the point it's supposed to be. So when you look at all these things, it's my belief, and has been my belief for 10, 15 years, that ultimately there is going to be a shortage of teachers in this country. Not only because they, they aren't treated properly or fairly, but we're getting a whole new generation of teachers. They don't think like the boomer teachers or even the Gen X teachers. A lot of these people went into the business because this was their dream to do it. And they were going to ride it out for 30 years. It may not be easy. It may not be the best option for them. They may have to bounce around from school to school. But they were committed because that was their dream. A lot of these kids coming out now are seeing that there are some better options out there. You know, they can do other things, make more money, be treated better. And some of the millennials that are coming out are saying, well, I'll teach for a couple of years, but it's not my dream. It's a good way to start things off and they'll take off. Now, the unfortunate thing is that we'll have fewer and fewer teachers and it's going to take a heavy toll on our education system. So it's going to turn everything around. It's going to change everything around. Now these people that brought teachers in, made them feel lucky to have the jobs, paid them a little money and treated them badly, now they're going to have to somehow coax teachers into the world of education. And honestly, that is what we're looking at in general in this country. We were talking about um, the shortage of uh, people to hire in our economy. I mean, it's everywhere. And I'll, I'll, I want to tell the millennials, any of those listening, that I want you to take notice of this moment in time. This really hasn't happened before. I want you to notice that this is an opportunity for years and decades those of us that went into the um, job market, we'd have to fight our way to get an interview, fight our way to get a job. And I know in my case, and I'm sure a lot of cases out there uh, like me, applied for jobs that you wanted, you desperately needed, and you really wanted because it was the perfect job, but somehow you didn't get the job. So you had to do something else, and maybe eventually you find your way to where you want to be. But it was tough getting that job. Now, I'm not suggesting it's going to be easy getting jobs, but the opportunities are going to be much better for these young people looking for jobs because people are so desperate to hire folks. You might find yourself in a situation where you have the opportunity to get a job that's at a higher level than you expected, maybe even a higher level than you qualify for. If they find you a good candidate, they'll bring you in and train you and give you that opportunity. This is an opportunity that doesn't come along very often, not never in my lifetime. So for those young people out there looking to start careers and 
get into the world and get into the workplace, take note of this time. I mean, there's a lot of things happening these days. Have you noticed how many unions are looking to go on strike? Now, I used to see those all the time in the 60s and 70s, and then they didn't happen. It was kind of, it kind of all ended when Ronald Reagan broke the union for the, um, um, the air traffic controllers, PATCO. If you're not old enough, you don't remember, but the air traffic controllers were a vital part of running an airport, certainly, and they went on strike because they wanted more money. Instead of negotiating with them, Ronald Reagan came in and said, oh, you're all fucking fired. And they brought new people in. So people's careers and livelihoods were taken away from them, and they brought somebody else in. That made the unions a lot weaker, not only in the uh, air traffic controller area, but throughout the country. So you didn't hear much about strikes, but now you do. You're hearing about Kellogg's, John Deere. We got that big strike possible in Hollywood. I hear now that they've come to terms on it. Nurses and all kinds of other people are getting tired of getting paid shitty wages and being treated badly. Now they feel strong enough to go on strike. And the reason is, is because there's a shortage of people to fill their spots. You see, the leverage has changed 180 degrees. As I said before, there was always jobs you'd apply for, but you were lucky if you got the interview and luckier if you got the job. They had all the power. They had more people than they needed applying for jobs. So not only could they be more choosy, but they could pay you shit because you were just happy to get the job. Well, now the tide has turned. They need people to run their businesses so they can make their big money, but they're having trouble finding people to work. So now instead of being jerks about it and making you jump through hoops and then paying you nothing for the luxury of working for them, now they're going to have to coerce people into working for them. So they're going to have to pay more money. They're going to have to treat people better. You know, we went through this whole thing with this minimum wage situation. Everybody thought it should be $15. They really wanted to push it, but it didn't go through. And mainly because everybody suggested, well, these businesses will go out of business if they have to pay 15 bucks an hour, which is absolute bullshit. Other people said it would hurt our economy, which is absolute bullshit. What's the best thing for our economy? It's when people buy a lot of stuff. So imagine this. You pay people more money, put them in a position to buy more stuff. Wouldn't that be better for our economy? Pay people enough to buy the shit from the places they work for. That would be good for the economy. But unfortunately, the rich people only look at the short side. They don't want to give up any money. They can't look at the long haul. But if they did, they'd understand it better. But here's the rub. They don't want to pay the $15 minimum wage. They always say, let the free market control it. Okay, bitch, let's let the free market control it. 
Well, now the free market is working against these people. They can't hire enough people. So now they're going to have to raise their wages, treat people better. This is the free market working. If you want to continue to run your company, you're going to have to pay people better. Maybe even as much or more than that $15 minimum wage because the tide has turned. People aren't begging to work for you anymore. I think people are taking a different attitude. And by them seeing that there are no, or not enough people to work, they're feeling empowered. And instead of just grabbing any job so they can just get by, they're going to be more choosy about it. They're going to be more expected of decent jobs, decent wages, and decent treatment when they take a job finally. They're going to be more picky about it. They're not going to work for the idiots that treat them like crap and run their fingers to the bone. Talk about Kellogg's. I've been seeing these people on TV talking about working for Kellogg's. They have these people working seven days a week. They work eight hours a day. A lot of times they work 16 hours a day. Except after they don't find out they're working 16 hours a day until 10 minutes before they punch out of their first eight-hour shift. Now they've got problems, not only about being tired or being burnt out in their position. They might have kids at home or animals or parents to take care of. Now, all of a sudden, they've got to figure out a way to make that work. They can't really quit because they've had a career with Kellogg's. Kellogg's make cereal, and they make a fuckload of money. But for some reason, they either can't hire enough people, or they just don't care about people, and they'll work them ragged just so they can make their money. Well, these same people that you're working ragged buy cereal. You got to pay them better to get more people working for you so you don't have to make them work double shifts seven days a week. For Christ's sake, that's absolutely ridiculous. People shouldn't be in this world working as as their whole life. Working and earning a living is a means to an end. You work so you can live your life, somehow enjoy your life. Pay for the things you need. But if you're working 16 hours a day not making shit, you can't enjoy your life. It's almost like slavery. Yeah, you're getting paid, but you're not getting paid what you're worth given the circumstances. So Kellogg's is a prime example. These fucking people need to get their head on straight and figure out how to run their business. They can't keep demanding what they're demanding of people because people aren't going to take it anymore. As I said, people are feeling more empowered. And this is a great time for people looking to establish their careers. I'm only sorry that I'm almost pretty much retired, so I'm not out looking for a job. But I do have a son who's 27 who's looking to try to break in a certain career. I said, dude, this is the time. Hop on your bicycle and make this happen. Because the opportunities are there, and that's what life is all about. Recognizing opportunities, jumping on them, and grabbing them. Too often, some of these younger kids think this is going to fall in your lap. It's not, and you're not going to have an opportunity like this again. So jump on it. Grab it. You not only will do yourself some good, but you will be helpful 
for future generations. Your kids and grandkids will be in a better position by demanding more out of employers now. So two decades from now, your grandkids or kids are trying to get a job. It's all going to be better if you keep pushing for the best. You hold these people's feet to the fire. And you take the opportunities that you have right now. <laughs> I kind of got off track. I got these uh, pet peeves I have. And it's, uh, in terms of the economy, it's the workplace and the job market that bothers me the most. I've lived through a lot of this stuff. And I spent my times missing out on jobs I wanted, needed, and I thought I was best qualified for struggling to try to get from one job to the next job and also raising a family. I hate seeing that because it takes away what is important about having a family, enjoying one another, having fun, living your life. It's not about working paycheck to paycheck. It's not about working your ass off for 16 hours a day. The job shouldn't be the majority of your life. That shouldn't be your identity. Your identity should be husband, wife, father, mother, whatever it is. That's who you are, not your job. All right, let's take a quick break. (laughs) I'll try to figure out a new rant in the next half, (laughs) but stick with us. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, a couple of things. I got a note from somebody asking me if I thought Donald Trump was going to win in 2016. Now, I can't verify this, and it's easy enough for me to say, yeah, I knew. But I did, actually. I knew Donald Trump would win in 2016 for some obvious facts that were happening in politics and in this country. But it was funny because um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a conservative, and he said, uh, Donald Trump will never win because he's like a sideshow freak, which is true. And I think he was hoping that Donald Trump would win, but he figured he'd never get his hopes and dreams. And I said, I think you'll win. He said, I'll bet you 200 bucks. (laughs) I said, done. I figured to myself, if he does win and we have this bullshit to deal with, at least I have 200 bucks. If we if he doesn't win and I got to pay him 200 bucks it'd be worth it to not have Donald Trump as our fucking president. So of course the bet was on. Donald Trump wins and I make $200. I think he was happy about Donald Trump making it. He wasn't so happy about giving me $200 and just to add insult to injury what I did was I spent it frivolously on some stupid shit. <laughs> Just like Republicans suggest Democrats do all the time. So, on election day, I did win 200 bucks. But then the next four years sucked for this country, for its people, for me personally. Um, 
The one thing it did for me, though, it caused me to want to step up and speak out, which I did on Facebook. And uh, for four years, I was pretty much speaking out about Donald Trump. Then, of course, I came on TikTok uh, almost a little short of a year from now. It was November 18th of 2020. And my intention when I got on TikTok wasn't to talk about anything specific because I have a lot of other areas I like to talk about. But, of course, the majority of it was politics and Donald Trump and the Republicans and the Democrats and stuff. And that kind of took off for me, so I kind of stuck along those lines. I'm hoping as time goes by I can get into other things on a more consistent level because you can only talk so much about the stuff. But it seems like every day there's some other bullshit that's happening. So Donald Trump made me 200 bucks on the first day on November 3rd, but after that, he's been a piece of shit. <laughs> now, we're also hearing about our problems with the supply chain. You know, they're talking about, uh, oh, there's going to be a shortage of groceries, of toys, of whatever. And, of course, the Republicans are trying to make Joe Biden out as the Grinch who stole Christmas. And I mean that literally. You go to Fox News and they got pictures of the Grinch and calling him Biden, uh, blaming him for all this shortage possibilities and the inflation. But what they don't talk about and what you need to understand about this situation You have to look at history, and I know the Republicans do look at history, but they sometimes change it or misread it (laughs) or just flat-out lie to us about it. And the fact of the matter is what we're experiencing now is something we've experienced in the past. Anytime you have a major event in your country, like we have with World War I, World War II, and, of course, a pandemic where 700 30,000 people have died and the country was shut down for a period of time. When these kinds of things happen, the the demand for products goes down. Or sometimes, like in the case of uh, World War II, they limit what you can buy. You know, they had all these um, ration cards and that kind of thing for gas and all kinds of other things. So when these big events are happening, the way this country run changes dramatically. People aren't buying as much. They don't have as much money or they don't have the availability of the product. So everything changes in the country. Everything drops down because the demand is low. Now, when these events end, like the end of World War I, the end of World War II, or now that the pandemic is starting to wane, then people, after struggling and waiting for so long, they get excited and they want to Buy, buy, buy. The trouble is the process, the chain, isn't working like it did normally. It's working like it did during the event. And in order to change that back to get up to the pace it was at initially, it takes some time. And when that happens, it's harder to get the products and the services and uh, inflation is a factor because we're talking about supply and demand. If there's a big demand and there's no supply, prices get higher. It happened after the First World War, the Second World War, and now after the pandemic. Now, they can try to blame Joe Biden for 
this uh, supply chain problem and inflation. But the fact of the matter is it was caused by the pandemic. And we now know that had Donald Trump done what he was supposed to do early on in the pandemic, we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are now. It might have lasted three, four, five months if he'd just done what he was supposed to do. So blaming Joe Biden's a little misplaced. It really should be Donald Trump. The whole reason we've had this extended pandemic and 730,000 people die is more attributed to Donald Trump's negligence or just ignoring it or lying about it, saying it's a hoax. But here's the deal. People are worried about inflation. People are worried worried about bare shelves and Christmas and all that sort of stuff. And we are going to have to deal with it for a little bit. But the fact of the matter is it's going to be temporary. As things start ramping up in the supply chain, we will get back to normal. Prices will drop and stabilize. Product will become more available. Let's be perfectly honest. These people who make these products want to sell as much of it as they can. So that's what they're going to do. Now, we have another problem with uh, employment, too, or the job market. We don't have as many truck drivers as we maybe need. We don't have as many people on the docks as we need at this point. And that's why we've got 40 to 60 boats sitting out in the harbor off of California waiting to unload. It's not like the product's not here. It's out there. It's a matter of getting into the port, getting it processed, put on the trucks, and sent to wherever it's going. So we now have to get more people back in the workforce. But there's a shortage. So what's the option? Go back to what I said before. Start start paying people properly. A reasonable wage. A livable wage. And start treating them like they should be treated. Give them a reason to want to come work for you. Until you do that, you're going to be in trouble. And without those workers, as much as you think you're more important, without those workers, you're out of fucking business. So you have no choice but to make it more appetizing for workers. Get them in there. Get it done. When all of these things happen, the shortage issue will be resolved and inflation will come down. It's all temporary. It will get fixed. Don't be like the republic and say the sky is falling, the sky is falling, because it's not. It's just not falling. This is what happens when you go through an unprecedented pandemic like we went through. We have I've never seen anything like this in my life. Whole country closes down. I mean, you have to remember everybody's screaming about gas prices going up, and that hurts everybody certainly. President doesn't really have anything to say about that. He doesn't control the gas prices, whether it be Donald Trump or Joe Biden. But uh, the gas prices, if you remember, I remember this very vividly. During the pandemic, when everything was shut down, you couldn't go out to dinner, you couldn't do anything. Just to do something, my wife and I'd go get in the car and drive around, you know, take a day trip someplace. And we'd stop to get gas because at least the gas stations were open. Maybe get a deli sandwich for lunch and uh, fill up with gas. 
I remember very specifically getting into a, a gas station and filling my tank up with gas, and the gas was at $1.54. That is because of supply and demand. Now, as the can, pandemic started to ease up and more people started to drive, we got the summer months, things raised those situations raise the gas prices. They will settle down and come back down too. I don't know if you remember. I think it was during Bush. Fucking gas prices were up around $4 way back then. It will fluctuate. It will change. And it will get back to normal. Just don't get excited about it. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about This one could get me in trouble, but I don't give a fuck. Clearly, (laughs) if you listen to me long enough, that is my superpower. I don't give a fuck. And I mean that. I think that's a superpower for anybody. A lot of people struggle with anxiety. They're worried about what everybody else says. They're worried about problems they had in in the past. If you can just get yourself to say, I don't give a fuck, man, it takes a lot of stress out of you. But recently, we've been hearing about um, this Dave Chappelle thing. He's a comedian. Apparently, he made some negative remarks about transgendered people, which was stupid. But he's a comedian. Now, everybody thinks he's a genius, uh, the most talented comedian out there. And don't get me wrong. I like Dave Chappelle. I think he's extremely talented and extremely funny. I don't think he's the greatest comedian I've ever seen. I can come up with better ones, but he is good. But he made some remarks about transgendered folks. And, of course, when he did that, people got upset about it. Now they want to try to cancel him. And if they do, they do. You know, that's that's just the way it works. It's public opinion. If you're in the entertainment business, it is a popularity contest. If people like you and you're popular, you're successful. When you become no longer popular, you're done. And if that's what happens to Dave Chappelle, so be it. The guy's made a ton of money, and he could do whatever he wants now. But the thing you have to understand is when when you're talking about all these things that offend people now, it really has more to do with what is said, when it's said, where it's said, who it's said about, and who said it. Because there are different rules, apparently. Now, Dave Chappelle is in all kinds of trouble because he made a reference to transgendered in a negative way. And I, I, I read what he said, and I don't agree with it at all, but you've got to take it for what it's worth. It is comedy. It doesn't necessarily even mean that's what he thinks. It's just a joke. Now, some people will say that that's not good enough. Um, it's still not acceptable. Okay, I agree with you. I didn't think the joke was funny. I certainly wouldn't say anything like that, not because I'm afraid of getting canceled, because I don't believe it. I have to believe what I'm saying, even if it's a joke, um, because it doesn't make sense not to do it. So who knows what's going to happen to Dave Chappelle, but he's got plenty of cash. He'll be fine. And then we have the John Gruden thing. This is a little different situation. Here's a coach of an NFL football team. And apparently seven years of comments and emails about uh, misogyny, homophobia, and racism. That's a little different situation. This is actual 
attacks on people, people that have uh, been marginalized for years. This is a meanness. What Dave Chappelle did was maybe stupid or just a poor attempt at humor. John Gruden's a different situation. His intent was far different than what Chappelle was doing. And his intent in those emails tells a lot about what he maybe really is like in his personal life. Now, it'd be interesting to find out what things were like in his personal life if that comes out. But more importantly, what it was like in the locker room, how people were treated, how people um, were treated differently than other people. We don't know that story yet. But it doesn't look good. And uh, he's been canceled. And you know, the funny thing about it is the Republicans are constantly screaming, well, it's cancel culture. Cancel culture is bad. And I don't get that. I mean, let's look at cancel culture. The only time you get canceled is when you do some stupid, fucked up shit. So the idea that you do some stupid, fucked up shit or even some mean shit and people get mad about it and want to cancel you, it's the cancel culture's problem? They're at fault? No, dude, you're just trying to distract from the situation. What you did was fucked up. You are in public life. You are a public figure. And if you're so stupid that you say or do something like that, well, you deserve what you get. You do something good and you're popular and successful, you accept that, don't you? Well, if you do something stupid and become unpopular all of a sudden, well, you need to accept that too. Cancel culture isn't a bad thing. It's just holding people accountable for the dumb shit they do. And I think there should be more of that in this country. But again, it's about who's doing it, what position they have, what their intent of it is. Like we've got Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson was uh, <clears throat> one of the main people who was saying the vaccination is bad. Even though we know he's vaccinated because it's a rule, if you work at Fox, that you must be vaccinated. Yet every day he tells people that taking the vaccination is a bad thing. Well, that might be just a personal opinion and stuff, but... Uh, as much as they're not a news source, people accept them as a news source. And when you get, give the fact that 700,000 people have died, you've got to really question how this guy gets away with it. And why isn't he being canceled? Isn't what Tucker Carlson's doing worse than what Dave Chappelle did? Not minimizing what Dave Chappelle said, but when you've got 700,000 people dying and you're lying to an audience that believes everything you say, that's a lot worse. Now, anytime you marginalize somebody or misinform somebody, it's a bad thing. But when people are dying, why is he not being canceled? And then, of course, we have uh, Pete Buttigieg. And his husband adopted new kids. And uh, Pete took some maternity leave. And, of course, Tucker Carlson had to make fun of him. Told a stupid joke. Why isn't he being canceled? Because that was homophobic as hell. But why isn't he being canceled? 
it's it, it's a weird situation. People get passes on some things, and it depends on who their audience is. Now, Tucker Carlson's are a bunch of Trumplefucks who don't care. They support racism. They support white supremacy, and he gets away with it. I've had my own experience in my life. This may surprise you <laughs> that uh, I've had situations where I'll say something and it might offend somebody. And honestly, I don't care about that. I'm not attacking anybody. I'm not uh, saying anything racist or misogynistic or homophobic. It's just, you know, stupid shit. <laughs> And people will say, I'm offended by that. I had one instance. I worked uh, in a government department when I was doing traffic on the radio. And uh, we had a good crowd of people that were all working together every day. We all knew each other. We all joked around and we had fun. And I had this one friend who was really funny, very, very funny. And we were sitting over in my area. Nobody was really around us. And we were just telling jokes back and forth. And I made a joke about my wife. Not a mean joke, not a blue joke, not a vicious joke, just a stupid wife joke. This is a joke I've said to my wife, and my wife will always return the favor with telling a husband joke. Not a big deal. So we're doing this. We don't think much about it. Later in the day, my boss says, hey, come in here. I need to talk to you. I said, okay. And as I walk in, there's another woman that I work with, and uh, we all sit down. And my boss seems a little uneasy because he knows me. He knows how I'm going to respond, and (laughs) he knows it's kind of bullshit. So he knows how I'm really going to respond. But he sits down, and he says, uh, yeah, Mike, did you tell a joke earlier today? I said, shit, I told a bunch of jokes. Which one? And he said, about your wife? I go, yeah, I'm always telling jokes about my wife, generally to my wife, because she, she'll do it to me, too. And uh, he said to me, well, uh, this coworker of mine, this woman, she was offended by it. I go, really? I look at her, you were offended. You weren't even in the conversation. You weren't even near where my side of the room was. Well, I heard it. And I said, well, you know, I didn't say anything sexual or mean or vicious about my wife. She goes, no, you didn't. I said, then what's the problem? And my boss looks at me kind of funny and he says, well, uh, this woman is going through a tough divorce and it didn't make her feel good. (laughs) I said, well, I didn't say anything wrong. I, you know... It wasn't sexual, it wasn't racist, it wasn't misogynistic. It was just a stupid joke. And you're telling me she's not comfortable with it. She wasn't involved in the conversation. She wasn't near us. And she has a problem because she's going through a divorce. He goes, yeah, that's exactly it. I said, since when Since when do I have to change how I am based on somebody else's personal life? I said, I'm not trying to go out and offend people. I don't want to do it. And had she walked up to me and said, Mike, could you cool it on that? I feel bad about my situation. I would have thought it's kind of silly, but by her asking me, I would have said, fine. But she kept pushing the issue, and she kept saying, uh, well, it was offensive. What, what do you have to say about it? Now I was getting a little annoyed. 
because I've got this person telling me what I can and can't say when I have every right to say it. I'm not being mean. I'm not pointing it toward her. I'm just telling stupid jokes as I am wont to do. And they weren't bad jokes. She says, well, I'm offended. What do you have to say about it? So I looked at her, and my boss knew this was coming. He didn't know what I would say, but he knew it was coming. She said, I'm offended. What do you have to say about that? And I said, well, I'm offended. She said, what? I said, yeah, I'm offended that you're offended about me having a personal conversation. And she said, well, that's ridiculous. And I go, good, we're on the same page now. Are we done here? And, of course, she was still upset about it. In this particular situation, this woman was looking for sympathy. And I'm happy to give her sympathy. Going through a divorce isn't the uh, easiest thing in the world. Fortunately, I've never had to do it. But she wants to impose it on everybody in the place. She wants to make it known, I'm going through a hard time, so I need attention. And that's what frustrated me. Had I said something bad or really mean about my wife, I could get it, but I didn't. It was just some really stupid, corny joke. But this upset her. And here's the thing. In life, there is no nothing in the Bill of Rights or the Constitution or Declaration of Independence or any of these things that give you a right not to be offended. There are plenty things in this world, in this country, that are offensive. There are many things that I'm offended by. But I don't go rushing off and saying, no, I have a right not to be offended. No, you don't. I get offended by uh, animal abuse, kids starving, Republicans talking about white supremacy. That's offensive to me. And I can speak out about it, which I do, but that's what I do. And sometimes when I talk about Donald Trump or some of these other people, I'm offensive to them and I have, I mean to be. They're public figures. They open themselves up for these things. And when they fuck up and hurt this country, I'm going to speak it out. And that's one of the reasons I do the podcast. You know, working in radio, I'm limited to what I can say. But this spot, this podcast is the one small area of freedom I have. I'm not going to be mean to other people or take advantage of people or marginalize people, but I am going to speak my mind. And I have the right to do that with the First Amendment. The trouble is most people don't have their full access to the First Amendment. They have bosses, they have family, they have friends that will limit what they can say because they don't want to make somebody mad. Well, I take the First Amendment Literally, I can speak my mind and say what I want to say. I have to acknowledge there are, there are consequences for those things I say, but I'm not saying things that are going to create con- uh, consequences. I'm simply speaking my mind, speaking my truth. And if more me- people could do it or would do it, this world would be an easier place to deal with. I've met many people and they say, well, you have to excuse me because I'm blunt. I go, thank you. I appreciate that. Because there's nothing more boring than bullshitting around when people dance around conversation. 
If someone walks up to me and says, you're a dick, at least I know how you feel. You have a right to feel that way. I might be hurt by it, but so what? I don't worry about what other people say. I live my life and I try to speak my truth and then keep moving from there. There's a thin line. There are people who are mean and vindictive and vicious and treat people badly. And they need to pay the price for it. And if cancel culture is their price, by all means, they fucking deserve it. But that said, we can't run around being offended by everything because there's a lot in this world that's offensive. And by us crying and whining about it, it isn't going to fix it. we got to take a more proactive approach to it. I'm offended by what the Republicans are doing now. I'm not going to call them out and say, I'm offended, you can't do that. No, I'm going to work against them to try to get that changed. I don't have the right not to be offended. I understand that. But uh, when I do get offended, I do have the right to try to change the situation. So, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why I went off on this tangent, but it's one of the things I enjoy about doing the podcast. I have that freedom. I don't want to misuse the freedom. I don't want it to be a platform to hurt people. But I am a, want to make the platform um, one that helps to look for some truth and justice in this world. And those people who refuse to do that, well, they're going to pay the price. And they deserve it. <laughs> now, I went way long this time. And I honestly had no clue what I was going to talk about when I started. So that's how it goes. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up. I appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.